0: Welcome to this week's podcast, Rugby and Education, uh, Conversations with France Rano. Um Thanks a lot for listening again this week. I'm here with Sam McKenzie. He is the, what's your title, Sam? It's a Junior Coach Development Manager. Junior Coach Development Manager, and he's going to talk a little bit about that to us Uh, today. Uh, Sam, I've I've met Sam a few years ago um, through AFL. He was very connected um, to the AFL scene. He's an extraordinary uh, midfielder in the AFL game. He he studied PE in Otago, like many of our listeners overseas, that their relationship to sport has started with PE, and also has a postgrad from AUT in sport and recreation. And Currently finishing his masters in sports and recreation, and on um, and a master's thesis that he'll be talking to us in the new year about. Um, He's had a real strong um, impact, I, I think, and this is my just my opinion in regards to AFL and, and basically in having players take up the game, and and the development of coaches and the community around AFL. And I think that's one of the big reasons why Auckland Rugby has decided to employ him now for yeah. what two years? Uh, yeah, we've well, sort of been. 16
1: months now, I think. So we'll yeah.
0: round it off to two years, yeah, yeah. Almost, uh, a year and a half with Auckland Rugby and, um, and, and a true uh, developer of coaches. Um, Sam, tell us a little bit, what is your role here um, in, in yep. Auckland Rugby? Yeah, so um, within
1: Auckland Rugby, we have a participation and development team, so our focus is the community game. Um, so community being schools and clubs. Um, and so my role within that is to... Um, have an emphasis on our coach development. So I look after the junior stuff, so we're talking primary schools and junior club rugby, sort of looking at under 13 and down. Uh, And my role is to help coach the coaches. Um, So we're, we have a big focus on, we know that coaches are really, really important for the experience of kids. And we know if the experience is ki- uh, for kids is great, then they're gonna continue to play the game or more likely to continue
0: playing. play. So, so what you're telling us, the, the first part is about creating a good experience around rugby. Yeah. And, and this is probably a key thing because especially in communities, or countries where rugby is not the the, the primary sport, you have that big, huge worry about rugby is not a safe sport. And we're trying here in New Zealand, where it's the national sport, to create an enjoyment out of playing rugby. Uh, How key is that and how do you guys go about that? Yeah, so one of the
1: big things is that we always want to look at it as kind of the participants at the centre of what we do. And so we know that the coach-athlete relationship or coach-participant relationship is really, really important. So for us, it's saying we have two people in our team, primary job is coach development. So we're trying to put a real emphasis on actually upskilling our coaches so that they are better coaches Um, so that then what they impart on the kids is a better experience um, for them. So then they're having a lot more fun, they learn a lot more, they become confident and competent um, in the skills so that every transition point they have through their lives, whether it's moving from ripper rugby we have in New Zealand to tackle rugby, then from tackle rugby to full field rugby and then into secondary school, they want to continue to play and they feel that they can because
0: they feel that they've learnt the skills. And, uh, and can you talk to me about the safety aspect, how do you yep. transmit that safety aspect to the coaches, um, and because this was actually a topic that I was involved in a discussion about a week and a half ago, about yep. certain schools overseas uh, trying to strip rugby away from the schools because it's deemed unsafe. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's, it's a big focus in New Zealand, um, we've had, New Zealand rugby have had a relationship with ACC, who do like the sort of the insurance and things That's like that. Um, they have a good relationship with them, so they, they run a whole lot of programs uh, based on that. So Rugby Smart and we run a Small Blacks yeah. um, course, which is all around making sure that when we bring our coaches in, so every coach who coaches are under 13 uh, level and down has to go through this course. Yeah. And within that, we as the regional sporting organization, so the union, we go out and we help upskill those coaches on tackle techniques, how you coach it. Then we go and view all of the um, tackle coaches at under eight, so their first year of tackle. We go and view all of them and make sure that they're doing safe practice and that the kids are learning some of those skills. And then we ourselves will run some things around at our clubs which again have that focus on making safe and effective tackles.
0: So this is really important because um, even though it's uh, the schools or the clubs will take the lead in regards to the delivery of rugby, the, the rugby union is actively involved yeah. in monitoring that the practice of the sport is safe and also that the players, which are the children in this case, are getting that um, that, that good experience out of playing rugby yeah. um, with coaches that are providing this in, in, the, in the rightful way, if we quite put it this way. Yeah, yeah. Look, we know that um,
1: we have sort of drop-offs as, as we go through our key transitions within rugby and so one of them is for going from non-contact rugby to tackle rugby, to contact rugby. Um, so one of the big things that we do with our clubs is to help upskill them so that they can uh, provide a better experience. So you know, how do you make contact fun and how do you make it safe? And so those are the big things that within my role, we try and impart on our coaches so that then when they go out, they have that skills and they have a few little tools in their toolkit that they can then go out and teach the kids.
0: How how do you feel about having a transition from non-contact, which we call here in New Zealand the ripper rugby, into a tackle rugby? When overseas, there is no such thing. There's just straight out, if you want to play rugby, you're tackling at the age of whatever age you're starting at.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one I'm still probably for the most part I'm still trying to figure out what, where my position is on that and um, whereas I, I quite like the fact that we have some non-contact versions because at 6, 5 and 6 and 7 what you're seeing is actually a lot of these kids are still learning basic fundamental movement skills so these motor skills yeah. so to throw them into a contact game then uh, I look at that and I go man I, I struggle to get them to catch and pass um, and so oh, now I'm telling them to run into each other you know, like that that when you weigh that up, you look at the angle of you probably let's just get them moving well uh, running jumping landing all that sort of stuff uh, but then it, we then move at about 8 years old and I guess one of the th- things to look at is that yes while kids are developing um, the impact isn't actually that that high because they're just not that quick, yeah. um, they can't, they really can't get into each other and if you ever watch an under eight game of rugby, um, they don't really run at each other, there tends to be a lot of them trying to run around each other exactly. and so any of the contact tends to be a bit scraggy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time in all their trainings they're really learning about where to put their head, where the right position is to be, where that should be aiming.
0: But you've also had, and which is, I've gone through that experience with my own children You've already had three or four years, depending on what age you started, of learning those fundamental movements. Yeah. And as a coach's coach, uh, which you are, Sam, yeah. tell me, for you, how important is this for children at a young age to acquire those fundamental movements um, and those basic abilities and skills to actually then continue and progress their game?
1: Oh, I think it's huge and in fact one of the big things that we've done this year um, which will be rolling out for 2019 is we've gone and talked to um, athlete development at AEC Millennium so one of the big uh, places out here and we've, done, we've sat down with them and built a whole lot of things we're going to roll into our under 6 and 7 age group coaching resource which is primarily based around how do we get kids moving well. Wow. So um, what it is all about is we try not to be too prescriptive with our coaches because that gets really hard, it's not about when you're running this foot needs to be here, this arm needs to be here, it's actually about well, how do we create an environment where the kids get lots and lots of opportunities to try different movements. So as a coach, you're effectively just facilitating movement, and say have a go at it, and the kids are learning to do it in the right way, Um, and what's most effective for them.
0: When you're working with kids, do you do? I mean, you're saying we we don't want to be too prescriptive, and for overseas audience, um, do you want to be very technical with it, or do you just want kids to play and? through play acquire different types of movement yeah exactly this
1: the letter we want them to to play i think the biggest thing is play and there's lots of different terms you know deliberate playing, playing yeah. things. but our thing is how do we as coaches facilitate an environment or create a context where they get lots of opportunities to try different ways of moving yep. and different ways of those skills so even when we go into skill stuff like passing yeah. and catch pass and things well how do we create an environment where they can try lots of different passes, lots of flick passes and things like that, because actually the more they get to do that, the more times they get to try and solve the problem in front of them, whether it's a movement or skill problem. Um, they'll be better suited when they come down, you know, when they're 15, 16, 17, 18. They have acquired so many different movement skills yep. that they're kind of okay in whatever situation they get into. And I'll,
0: and I'll ask you this question because this is a little bit of what I saw when I was just recently overseas. That a lot of those movements, they are trained, and what I was seeing, I was pretty amazed because we don't do it here necessarily. Uh, they're trained through drills. Yeah. Like yeah. you just mentioned the flick the pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're trained through drills. At younger ages, let's call it under 13s here in New Zealand, do you recommend drilling, the, how you practice that, or do you just want it to come out of natural play because kids are just trying something?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would be, an, I'm a big advocate of play, um, and we, like even if you want to call it deliberate play, so as a coach, what we try and talk to our coaches about is cra- using games, yeah. like and was, you might call them drills or games, but just sort of like game drills, I guess, but a game where you constrain things or you manipulate rules within the game which encourages those kids to have to try those skills so you might make uh, a game where actually they're going to be really close together so there's a lot of contact so when they're passing there's always going to be a bit of contact which means they're always going to have to try and flip past but you but rather than me saying okay you've got to go two steps then you've got to set this guy and then flick it well they are you're just working on something that's not really that organic and doesn't come out of the situation they find them in so that when they get into an actual game those situations arise and they just do it because they are so used to trying
0: lots of different things Yeah, they're doing it in a game sense yeah yeah and, I, and I, we saw this quite a uh, quite a bit uh when we observed some of the the, the coaching uh, for example with contact there used to be some uh, we saw some of these fantastic drills but very prescriptive drills yeah. in regards to contact, and then came uh, game time on Saturday. Tackling was pretty weak. Yeah, Why? because it wasn't being done in a yeah. real game in a real and, game situation. And
1: like, and I understand, and this is something we we grapple with, and I think even New Zealand rugby grapples with a little bit. Is how do you when it's a, when there's a safety issue involved? How do you create that play without? you know, putting the kids at risk of injury and stuff. And so there's this kind of, you end up weighing up both sides. And so there's ways in which we have games in which you can maybe slow down the contact. Um, And so it's a little bit more constrained, the contact so guys, the kids aren't flying into each other. But at the same time, it's still
0: kind of organically happening. In in a previous podcast, we talked about um, the the contact. um, when we're talking about development grades under thirteen yeah. and below, how do you see that contact? Do you see using an excessive amount of shields and padding, or do you see more of that live? Uh, uh, what, what what would you, what would you recommend, coaches?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not big on tackle bags and things like that, um, mainly because when we, when we see a lot of kids tackle tackle bags, they fly at them. Yeah. So um, the key things for us, I know, just with tackle is. Um, get your feet close to the target um, so often we'll use uh, we'll teach contact without contact which sounds a little bit funny but we'll, we go, we've identified these are some of the key things within contact that they need to have so they need to have their feet close to the people who are um, they're tackling, uh, they need to get their head in the right position, they need to get a low body position and so how can we teach that Without necessarily having them to constantly make contact, yeah. and then you can have your little contact hit as well, and you might reduce the space so there's just less room for error and kids getting their heads in the wrong place. Um, so, I, I tend to do when we run tackle yeah. clinic yeah. stuff and things, so we tend to run it. There aren't there isn't much um, shields or anything yeah. like that, um, but at the same time, we're not having kids run from ten meters from either end, at each other. We restrict the space. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's something we, we talked a lot about when we were overseas recently. Um, the Many of the conversations were, oh, we need all these instruments. and Basically, here in New Zealand, we need the rugby ball, and we yeah. can just manipulate that yeah. space to create that kind of game sense scenario. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and
1: I think one thing that seems to be coming through at the moment is that we teach a lot of front-on tackling, but if you watch games, how many front-on tackles are actually made? And so it's about restricting the space but also providing them lots of opportunities in lots of different positions okay. where they're going to have to make the tackle uh, because then you're actually setting them up so that whatever is thrown at them in a game situation, they, that they can kind of adapt. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, yeah. it really is about creating adaptable
0: players Absolutely. in whatever the situation is. Absolutely. Just to close off this, um, this podcast, uh, Sam, um, you're a coach's coach, yep. you're developing coaches. What three things would you recommend a junior rugby coach, um, thinking of an overseas context, three things to keep in mind for their season to create that enjoyment of the game for the youth?
1: Yeah, uh, I think one of the big things is um, uh, like ask your players, like talk to your players, get to know them and get to like connect with them a little bit. Uh, it can be a bit weird when you're you're in your 30s or whatever and you've got a whole lot of 10 year olds and you're like man I don't know but actually get on their level and start to understand them uh, because if you can understand them you can connect with them and if you can connect with them you can capture them um, and then if you do that they're going to have a good time but also you as a coach are uh, you going to have a good time uh, other other key things that I would say just from a purely from a coaching point of view is not to get too caught up um, and where they're playing or anything like that so giving them lots of opportunities to try lots of different things and yeah, yep. yeah different positions um, different skills sorts of stuff and then when it comes to your training getting them to play as much as you can and you're only limited as a coach by your imagination so try things just try things especially with like, when you've got young kids it's a really cool opportunity to try things you're, some things will work some things won't but what you find is over time you'll start to refine it yourself and you'll have a pretty, pretty good time yourself because you actually I end up spending a whole lot of the time just coming up with cool little rules and games and things we can play with the kids. So um,
0: that's going to teach them the skill that I think they need to learn. Cool. So try things that you have related to with that connectiveness mm. with, your, with your team that will work Yeah. With them. And it can't go wrong if both of you are having a good time. Yeah,
1: well, that's right. And at the end of the day, success, especially as a junior coach, is are they coming back to play next year? You know, did they have a good time? And did they learn something? Definitely. And if you can tick those three things off, then you've been a pretty
0: awesome junior coach. That's fantastic. Uh, I want to thank Sam for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, we're going to give a shout-out to some of the development clubs and, uh, and programs that we met overseas, like Guraka Rugby. We've been in contact with you quite often in the past couple of weeks. Great job happening over there in that rural community, uh, all the way down to Patagonia, Kelligan, and the Junior Dragoncitos. Um, you guys have a fantastic uh, community down there. Uh, listen to this podcast a few things we can learn from sam same as trapiales uh frank uh you're doing a fantastic job out there with your huge community uh urba rugby and obviously our traditional um clubs in um in, in santiago like uh alumni and and all the others so um i hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back with sam for a future podcast on transferable skills from one cut to the other thanks a lot for listening